my guest on the podcast today. I'm really excited about this one. We were just catching up. It's Arel Moody. Arel is a speaker, professional speaker on adult development theory. He's a co-founder of a super cool software as a service platform that I used called that I use called Takadot. Talking tech here. And then he's also a TV co-host, which we're going to talk about. And most importantly, he's a super dad. And I am saying this. He's a very humble, very humble guy. I'm saying you're super dad based on what you told me about your son's multiple birthday parties, which is are my kids get older. I'm learning that that's a thing. And I don't remember having multiple birthday parties as a kid, but I'm sure I did. But Arel, so glad to have you on. How are you today? Well, my, my favorite part of how this interview started is now I can quote the fact that a media outlet has called me super dad. So when my kids right. are questioning how great of a dad I am, I was like, listen, I've got the quote. Jason called me super dad. It's official. There's nothing we can do about it at this point. It's just fact. It's science. I will send you this video clip and you just pull it up on your phone and show it to them because you have the kids that like are sassy, right? They're at, the, they're at a little bit of a sass age. Yeah, they're, they're that pre they're that preteen. You know, my 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 oldest is turning ten, and uh, my youngest is seven. So um, he's starting to get into that um, interesting humor. That's a little bit more like in your face humor versus by your side. So yeah, um, always gotta always gotta be able to show him. Dad loves you, and he's a super dad. It's official. Dad, it loves you, and he's a super dad. All right, Arel, we're gonna get into it. We got a lot to talk about today, so let's yes. kick this off with talking about. And my first question for you is something that you nerd out about. So what do you nerd out about? Yeah, you know, one of the wonderful things about, I think, being a professional speaker is that what you nerd out about is typically what you get to speak about. Um, and that's paid, how it which is really yeah, cool. You get, yeah, like it's like I'm going to really learn everything I can about this subject and then I get the opportunity to get paid to talk about it. Um, so for me, my, my biggest nerd out right now is adult development theory, um, which is this incredible research that shows that adults pass through these predictable and sequential stages of maturity throughout our lives. And um, what I think is most fascinating and why I nerd out about it is most people have never heard of it, mm-hmm. but it's all of these independent researchers that say, regardless of uh, where you're born, your country of origin, your gender, the language you speak. These are the stages. They are the same. And they have these different characteristics, fears, strengths. And I think what is so fascinating to me about it is that once you understand these stages, you can actually understand where most conflict comes from, most frustrations come from. And personally, what I think is super exciting about it is stages can evolve. Now, the reason why the, uh, the changing is so important is because when we look at bettering ourselves, research shows typically your personality doesn't change. It's possible, but typically your personality is your personality. Uh, your generation is your generation. Your generation doesn't change. Yeah. So trying to change those things are probably some of the most difficult things if you want to improve. But you can change the way you process and make meaning of the world. And I think this is the area where large individual change can come from. So I read about it. I, I, I research it. I talk to some of the most brilliant people in the world about it. And uh, it, the funny thing is it's like one of those things that there's not many people who also talk about it. So it's like yeah. I have to seek them out and find them. Yeah, that's, that's super cool. I mean. It's interesting because child development theory is a very common language, at least in the United mm-hmm. States. A lot of most parents will know what that means. It gets talked about in schools, can read about it, but I don't know that I've ever heard the term adult development theory in that way. 
Well, that's exactly right, right? So like child development theory, we all know like, oh, a six-month-old doesn't have, uh, so the technical term is object permanent. So if I put my hands um, in front of my eyes and go peekaboo, the kid thinks you've disappeared. It's the coolest thing in the world. That is So cool. what happens for, for a very long time is that researchers believed that uh, around 21, we stopped developing. So the reason why such a huge emphasis on education was put from, you know, cradle to 21 is because after that, our belief was you spend the rest of your life getting the most out of what you got from zero to 21. And once the researcher says, no, no, that doesn't stop at 21, like it continues throughout your adult life. I think it's absolutely um, game changing, but not enough attention or not enough um, knowledge is about it. And I kind of mm. have this personal like goal, if you will, to simplify because it's very complex. We try to simplify it as best I can, but also make it available to as many people as possible. Mm. It's interesting. Yeah, I know we're gonna we're gonna dig into this a lot more in this episode for sure because this is like this is your wheelhouse. So let's talk about something on a on a personal level, something that is inside of your comfort zone. Something that like, listen, I'm totally down to do that. And you know for a fact that there are people that are like, hell no, I'm not doing that thing, or I am so uncomfortable doing it. And as I do with all the speakers I have in my show, because I have a lot of speakers, I'm taking public speaking right off the table because it's just way too easy. That yeah. would just be, that would just be a gimme. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that, that, that is the easiest one to go to. I think the, um, the second thing is being willing to start a conversation with strangers. Um, mm. Very comfortable doing it. I enjoy doing it. Um, and I'm not talking about like stopping someone in the middle of the street and just chit chatting them. I'm like, you're you a New Yorker up, too, which isn't you know. always that easy. <laughs> No, it's not. It's it's probably like pulling teeth from a crocodile or speaking to a New Yorker in the streets, like same skill set, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you put me in an environment where we're at an event or we're somewhere, um, my comfortability now, not always by any means, but my comfortability now to engage and start a conversation with anyone is is pretty high. And mm. I think that for most people, that's probably what they are most uncomfortable with at large events or networking events. Yeah. Aurel, I had a question for you as this relates to extroversion and introversion and adult development theory. Yes. I've had a couple people, I've had one episode that was purely on extroversion and introversion. My friend Katharina, she is, relates as quite an introvert and I am a complete extrovert, at least on Myers-Briggs and that's probably pretty accurate. Yeah. Well, first of all, how do you, how, like, have you taken Myers-Briggs or do you know where do you sit on the, on the E and I scale? Yeah, so I've not taken the Myers Briggs. I probably should on the personality side, but yeah. I, I'm actually super curious. How did she define introvert? How did she define extrovert? She gets it, the way that Myers Briggs does is how do you source your energy? So yeah. do you source your energy from others, or do you source and recharge being with yourself? That's that's the key. You know, I think that, and I'm so glad that that's where it went because I think the the misconception, which I'm sure you covered very deeply. So if you're listening to this, please watch that episode because yeah, it's a I good think one. The biggest misconception about introvert and extrovert is that an introvert is not outgoing, and an right. extrovert is not like uh, can be alone. That's it's not yeah. the truth at all. Yeah. So um, for me, I definitely would would probably scale towards the extrovert, like probably yeah. textbook. Yeah. That well, and I'm thinking about this because what's in your comfort zone is in mine too. Like a room full of people I don't know is actually my, a playground for me. I really, I just yeah. love people. Yeah. So that's, that's something that's in my comfort zone too. I think if I knew one or two people, that's like my ultimate, that's my ultimate uh, environment. 
where mm-hmm. I can like connect with a couple of people. I know like, Hey man, we haven't met in person. And then we, we build conversations, but I do know, and I just had my friends, Robert and Kaylee on a bit ago. This was something that we, I asked both of them. That is not Robert's thing. He does not like being in rooms full of people. And Kaylee's like, I like to make friends in the Starbucks line. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, exactly. That's interesting. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. So flip, flip that question. What's something that's outside of your comfort zone that you know other people are into or that easily will do? Yeah. So for me, it is anything that deals with um, structure in terms of um, spreadsheets. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there are some people that I work with, um, like one of my partners with, with Talkadot, my software tool, her name is Pokin. Um, her ability to like have a meeting, like she'll have this meeting and then she'll summarize the whole meeting and then she'll put them into this organized structure, whether it's a spreadsheet or an air table or a thing and structure. Here's what we talked about. Here's what needs to happen from this conversation. Here's the biggest takeaways and then provide like the link for like the full interview. Um, if we'd be interested. And that is just so far outside my natural comfort zone. Yeah. Like, if I have this conversation, I'm like, man, it was a really great conversation. Oh, could you send me a summary and organize it and then please? And I was like, I, there's nothing about that that I naturally. Man, you and I are very, <laughs> you and I are very similar. Now, like, I, I'm going to go to another personality assessment. Have you ever yes. taken DISC? Uh, I'm familiar with DISC. I've not taken DISC either. Yeah. yeah. So you're probably an, an I or a D on DISC, and the C <clears throat> is called conscientiousness. It's mm. more of the people that have more of it. And they're all like the whole philosophy is disc is it's all good. We need all types of people. And it's really yes. good to work on teams with different types of people. But the C is like the more detail oriented person. They like to know the how they like to like have a lot of the things recorded. And I'm like just absolutely the opposite. Yeah. So, I, you know, yeah. in, in, so in, in stage theory and in, in adult development theory, there's one of the stages is um, so there's like three stage, there's four stages that I spend most of my time educating people with because that's where 85% of the population lies, right? So the first stage is called self-centric. The second is group-centric. The third is skill-centric. And then the fourth uh, is called self-authoring. Depending upon who you ask, uh, people Mm -hmm. will will, will call it different things. There's also a numerical scale, two, two, three, 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 four, that kind of stuff. But I I like to use those terms because they're easier. Um, I am large within the group-centric skill set. One of those skill sets is being able to keep people together. So mm. one of the skills that I believe that um, I've developed over time is not only that comfortability of speaking to people, but I'm really good at figuring out how to glue people together. You know, so like if mm. I'm noticing this person is not communicating with this person, I can do a pretty decent job of saying, well, what is this person really trying to say? What is this person really trying to say? And glue mm. those people together. So I've always found that my skill set was more on the human emotion side and very low on the detail-oriented structure, systematic, and building myself to be around people who have those skills has been... Uh, I used to beat myself up because I'm like, how come yeah. I can't do all that stuff like them? And then I d- disowned my own skill set. And, and I yeah. think as I get older, I start realizing the importance for all folks to own their skill set and like be okay with the fact that there's things that other people will be very successful at that you're not. And that's hard for people. I think like us who like to get better and constantly evolve. Yeah, man, I had no idea. We have did not plan this, but I have to relate this to yet another 
assessment. Clifton strengths. Yeah, and this is the last I'm going to bring this up in this episode because I know I'm, I'm, I'm getting annoying. But Strengths Finder 2.0, Clifton Strengths. There's yeah. a strength that's called Includer. It's my mm. number ten, which can, is a. I'm guessing that might be in your top five, and that's yeah. what it is. It's the superpower of bringing disparate people together with potentially disparate messages and being able to bring together the commonality. It doesn't mean you all have to get along, but it means that you are, it means you have an active, what it basically means you have a pretty high EQ for relating to people where they're at and what they're bringing, as opposed to like needing to know the specific details or like they need to tell you enough so that you can feel like you can do that. It's just like a natural ability. Yeah. And and, and one of the things I will say, what I love about bringing up assessments, like what you're bringing up is that what we do in in general as humans is whatever is our strength is like a fish in water. It's no big deal. We become very aware of where we suck because we see someone else excelling in it. And then that becomes a reflection, a mirror of what we stink at. So the reason why these types of assessments I think are so valuable, and I'm really glad you're bringing up because one, it's it, it's encouraging me to probably like take some because I haven't. And there's a bunch of other guy. ones I've been, I've been wanting. I've been like tons <laughs> I've been wanting to do, right? But yeah. then also, also I think this is the big thing is you start realizing that even though you're not naturally good at something, the things that you are naturally good at, you probably will diminish because it's not yep. hard. And we yep. think that to be good, it must be hard. Yeah, um, And that's not true. No, the, the last thing I'll say on this is regarding Clifton strengths is when I do this work with clients, I say, you can just think of this as a list of energy. You're thinking mm. your top five. It's like, like you said, fish and water, the things at the bottom and people go, well, should I try and work on the things near the bottom? I'm like, you can, but it's going to be exhausting. Versus lean into your stuff at the top. Cause yeah. for you, like you have a co-founder that probably has a different list of strengths. You get to play off of each other. You don't. And if you're a solopreneur business or something, you just find, you hire people that can help you with these things, man. I had no idea the conversation is going to go here and I'm loving it. And we're going to go to some speaking stuff here. So you yeah. are a professional speaker. So I'm, I'm always really curious to hear the answer to this question for people that speak for a living. So I'll give you five minutes, only five minutes, and you get to deliver a speech and all of us, like the whole world gets to hear it from you. What is it that you would talk about with us and what would you want us to do at the end? Yeah, great question. Um, so I think the work that I do as, as like within adult development theory, if I can kind of summarize it to what I think would be that kind of billboard statement to the world is there is always always a win-win if we look for it and not a compromised win-win. I think there is always a way for you to 100% win and me to 100% win. We just have to understand why we will get in the way of that. And typically we get in the way of that is because the way that I process the world, if it's different than how you process the world, then you go, well, it's got to be this way for me to be happy. And you, the other person goes, no, it has to be this complete opposite way. And in reality, if you get to the core of it, there is actually something we both want. Now, it's not always apparent. It's not always easy. Um, the more skilled you are in understanding yourself and having self-awareness, um, the easier it is to get down to what you truly want. But I think that it's 100% possible. And I think what I'd want people to do after that message is when they look at conflicts with people and they look at challenges with people, uh, because they're always available and present, 
is if you yeah. can actually become more self-aware, right? And I think that's what stage theory allows us to do, become more self-aware. And we believe there's always a win-win, then you can actually start breaking apart all of the frustrations and challenges and angers that may create the friction points of this thing called life and have yeah. a much more beautiful existence if we look for it and if we accept it to be true. Because there, there are many folks, which goes to uh, at an earlier stage, which is a self-centric philosophy, is that the world is zero sum. I win, you lose, you win, I yeah. lose. That's the way the world is. If yeah. you can break that and move to the win-win, I believe it's possible and it can be found. Oh, man. Yeah, somebody asked me this one time on this pod. Somebody decided to like flip the script on me and they were like, and they decided to try and play host. And it, w- it was actually a lot of fun. And mine was actually similar. And mm. I really relate to that, Arel, because I used to be in sales. And in sales, I really had a pretty binary mindset. You either won the sale or you lost a sale. And when you win a sale, you make money. Or you don't win a sale, you don't make money. And then you either find it. And then you either hit your quota and you make your money. Or you don't hit your quota and you get fired. And then you're looking for the next job. And it's like... I have a similar, I don't know if it would be my five minutes, but I really have through my, I guess, adult development theory, and I don't know where this fits in, I've really had to work on life is pretty gray and it's not ones and zeros most of the time. Correct. And when you do that and you realize there can be win-wins, that is, it's a lot more fun existence. It is. And, and when, we, when we start earlier in our journey of, of developing our maturity as an adult, it most all of us will start with that binary thinking. That's kind of, that's like level one, right? That's edu- the education lose. system. And you it's either ve- pass or you it, fail. Like and you- it's, it's, it's very easy to determine winners and losers, right? Yeah. It's, in a world of black and white, it's very easy to go yay or nay. In a world of gray, it starts becoming, well, are you successful? It's like, well, in a world of black and white, it's do you have the house, the kids, the cars, the wife, the, you know, the husband, the, you know, check, check, check. So it's a very easy decide. Dis- but in the world of gray, which where you've kind of, you know, developed into, well, now it's not as easy to make certain. It's like, well, that guy makes 75 grand, but his kids actually like him and love him. Spouse wants to be around him and he has a community that cares about him. You start going, well, maybe that's the win, right? Well, maybe it's not the yeah. yacht and the, and the other things. And so I think what happens when you develop into the world of gray is that you start realizing how nuanced, how incredibly nuanced the world actually is. And yeah. playing in that nuance, I believe will create more opportunity for happiness. Um, Cause when it's black and white, it's either you do or you don't. And that yeah. can be a very, very scary world to, to actually live in. Yeah. Awesome conversation so far, Rel. We're going to take a very brief commercial break. We'll be right back after this. The Talking to Cool People podcast is brought to you by Jason Frizzell Coaching. Jason works with amazing people who are looking to find and develop their passion and purpose and create their journey to wherever it is they want to go. Check us out at jasonfrizzell.com, Facebook, or on Instagram. Jason loves hearing from anyone who thinks it would be cool to connect to be coached, or to be a guest on our show. Email him at podcast at jasonfrizzell.com or DM him on Facebook and Instagram. And now, back to some more amazing conversation on talking to cool people. And we're back. And those are our professional sound effects for all of you listening between Arel and I. Amazing. Pshh. 
sound effects. That's the sound of us going to commercial, and now we're back. <laughs> I like that. I don't know that anybody's ever done that before. I, I I might have to add that as a sound pad on my processor and just like each part. Go to commercial break. Hey, everyone has to create their own special sound effects. However, oh you boy, feel. that should be my new thing when I'm prepping guests. I should say, all right, you need to come up with your own version of when we come back from the commercial. What sound are you going to make? I can imagine love some it. of my guests would be like love that, and some would be like, "What the heck is it?" <laughs> I love it. It always always inspiring. This is for season four of the show coming out starting in January. We'll, we'll we're going to add in some new things, and this is this is the main Worth. value to the audience is get to hear these really cool sound effects. <laughs> That, that if that was the only contribution I made, I'd feel like our time. That's it. Right. I mean, this this is probably the major output of this episode. Just to be totally <laughs> transparent with you. So, Aurel, what else do you want the What else do you want us all to know about you? You know, uh, one of the things that I think is really fascinating that's been happening for me is is kind of a transition of where I've spent a large majority of my life in the kind of service oriented space, right? Whether it's been speaking or coaching or something like that. And when you move into developing a software tool, um, it's a completely different philosophical approach. I think, and there's a lot you can take from what you've done in terms of how you sell, how you build, how you market, um, how you grow. But it's a very different um, approach that's been very fascinating for me. And I'd love, love, love to, uh, if, if, if the time allows, it to, does. to talk about what's shown up for me. Because I think for people who want to start productizing their service or their business, that approach is going to be really fascinating. Well, let's, let's take, um, we do have the time. Let's also take a couple of minutes and talk about, so you've shared with us what you, what you speak on the main topic that you speak on. Let's spend a couple minutes on what talk is because I know it, I use it. And like the Genesis of that is going to become very apparent, but let's set the context for people to know how you've been inspired to do this with your co-founder. And then from there, let's talk about what you've learned as well as and yeah. now, like, and I was saying this earlier to me, what you've, what you're doing is you're expanding, right? You're not necessarily shifting or moving away from one thing and way into something else. You're expanding what you're doing and it's in two different, quite frankly, two different business models. So yep. give us a, yeah, give us a couple minutes on the Genesis behind talk about what it is, what it does, what the value is, and then we'll go into the, like the yeah, transition. so you know, as as professional speakers, you know, one of the things that we always want to do is book more speaking engagements. That's kind of like the name of of the business side, right? So we have a message, paid, hear it, paid, paid speaking, speaking engagements. engagements, right? Because that's 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 the professional part, by the way. That's There's the business. Speaker. That's what makes you a business. Yes, professional speaker yeah. means you get paid to speak. That, that's the distinction: public speaker, <laughs> professional speaker, two different like. Like, like verticals, right? Yeah. So we want to get more paid. And we want to do that, right? Um, because that's how we, we move the needle. However, in our world, uh, how do you prove to someone who maybe hasn't booked you? Now, now mind you, if you're Gary Vee or if you're Simon Sinek, you're, you're playing in a totally different ballgame, yeah. right? But for content experts like myself, where I'm not really a celebrity in any shape, form, or fashion, how do I, one... Um, make folks trust me that they can book me and know that booking me will be a great decision. Where do I create that confidence? Now, in the traditional way that I've taught and been known to do it my whole life is, you know, there's basic things you do, website, speaker demo video, pictures, testimonials you put on your website. And then people in your audience who've heard you speak, who come up to you and say, oh my gosh, can you come speak at our event? Like that's kind of how you build that level of trust or, or, or a uh, trusted referral. 
And one of the things that happened is my one of my co-founders, there's two co-founders, one is named Pokin, one is named Jared. Um, Pokin is the product person. So I was help coaching her because um, she was interested in speaking. She had just exited from a very, very successful app that she had over, you know, 35 million downloads for, was able to get purchased by a publicly traded company. And she wanted to do more speaking. So I start breaking down and telling her, here's how you do this, here's how you do that. And she's like, well, why do you do it this way? And then my answer started being like the cursed answer. Well, that's the way we've always done it. That's the right? way we've that's, done it. Yeah. That's the way it's always been. And, you know, she's like, well, what if there was a better way? And I was like, tell me more, right? Like so You're like spoken like a true tech entrepreneur. What if there was exactly. a better way? This right? is where because all the great stories start. Whenever someone says, this is the way we've always done it. That's, I think, a, a, a brilliant mind. I do think uh, Pokin is brilliant is, is well, wh- why does it have to be? So what we realized is... Uh, through our, we did a lot of interviews, just talking to event planners, trying to understand how they make decisions. And one of the biggest things we uncovered is that event planners don't trust your website. You're supposed yeah. to put the most highly edited video that can make, because event planners have had tons of times where they booked a speaker that they really believed based on the video and the pictures would be amazing. And they weren't. And it's like, well, well, how would you know if they actually were good? And then we thought like, okay, well, if you go to Amazon, and you go to purchase anything. Once you decide you want to get the thing, well, what's the very first thing that you look for? The reviews. What are actual real people saying that's not the uh, manipulated manufacturer description? Yeah. Yeah. Trustpilot, Google reviews, all these things. But that doesn't exist within our world. So what if we can have speakers who are really good um, showcase that they're good through data? So the whole premise of Talk It Out is twofold. The first is let's allow speakers to easily gain data on how effective their talks are from their audience, unfiltered and real, that they can present in a very visually, graphically beautiful way um, so that they can show, one, to the person who booked you, you did a good job, look at the feedback. And then to the future people who want to book you, look, I could fake one or two, but I can't fake a whole yeah. litany of feedback reports that are unedited from a third party source that I do a good job. So it allows people to trust. Um, The second is to that part that I had alluded to that someone comes up to you and gives you their card. The challenge is in an in-person speaking engagement, if you actually do a good job, you should have a rush of people come up to you afterwards. And if a rush of people comes up to you, how many people really want to sit around and wait until that crowd diminishes? And and odds are people who are very, uh, decision-making oriented, probably aren't going to sit around forever. So you, you might lose a lot. And then in the virtual world, as soon as someone hits the end on the Zoom or you know whatever is the virtual platform, there is no rush. There is no crowd. There is no conversation. So what if we, in that survey, could allow people who do want to book you to raise their hand, identify themselves as, yes, we should have a conversation, even have the ability to book a meeting. But if they're not interested, they wouldn't get any of those questions. So it doesn't feel uncomfortable. So that that's what Talkadot does. And then it allows um, me as a speaker to objectively show how effective I am based on audience feedback and to gain more opportunities every single time I speak. Um, anyway, that that's kind of it. And it's like the thing yeah. I wish that existed for me. I get to be part of the incredible team that gets to build it. Yeah, I just, and this is, maybe it's a commercial for Talkadot because I, like I said, I am a user of it. We met through a mutual friend and sent it. And I used it at a speaking gig and it was freaking awesome. Like it was Thank so you. useful to have that list. And I, I think I told you just a, a small story, just a tiny story about it. 
we had so what it does is it it like gives you a percentage of people that like loved it or liked it and we had one person who said they didn't like it and then that same person and you don't know who that person is right so it's anonymous and that one person came up and it was a woman she's like oh my god i'm so sorry i hit the wrong button is there a way i can go bad like i love this speech it was so good but she felt like so bad i'm like it's it's okay that really appreciate you coming up I'm really glad it made an impact on you and you have something, but it was like, just, it was like it really cute. Cause she was like so worried that it was going to like ruin our feedback, but just, just want to say out like everybody listening, really cool product. Again, this episode's not sponsored by Talkadot. We're here to learn about you, but it is so cool. So if you're out there and you are a speaker, definitely check it out. Cause it yeah. is, it was awesome. And I used it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Thank you, Jason. And you know, it, it's interesting because as we're, you know, I appreciate you saying that you, you found it useful. We have a, a really other incredible um, technical founder whose name is Jared, who uh, just is one of the most brilliant programmers and engineers I've ever, I've ever got to work with. So when I get to work with people who are really smart, one of the things that has come out about this is understanding um, a totally different approach to how to go about this, right? Because there's a, um, there's a sales and marketing approach, right? Which we're very much in kind of the service-based world, if you're, if you will, used to, right? I've got to sell, I've got to market, I've got to bring people in the door. And when you're building a tool, a product, uh, there's something called product-led marketing. And product-led is where you're constantly iterating on how do you make the product better and better and better and better. What's every single friction point that a user will have Because whenever someone is acquiring a new thing, believe it or not, they're actually thinking to themselves, why shouldn't I use this? Why Mm -hmm. is it easier for me to just do the things that I've been doing? Like, I could just use Mm -hmm. Excel. Like, I know how to use Excel. So what happens is people are constantly trying to find all the reasons why they should not use something. Totally. And your job is to figure out all of those reasons and slowly start, you know, building and whittling, like kind of removing the clay, if you will, to reveal the statue of David that's underneath. Yeah. And I think that um, there is this really interesting balance of releasing a product. And this is where like my, my co-founder Jared is like really brilliant. He's really big and let's build something that has value. Let's release it before we're ready because the feedback and this is where Pokin brings Virginia. Like she's constantly hearing what people are saying and be like, no, we have to change this and do this. But that process is so, you're so naked because what we'd like to do as service providers is be perfect package. Mm-hmm. Like bring me in because I am the expert and I now will present to you all of the solutions and ask the <laughs> questions in the right way that will lead you to your like discovery. And in the product world, it's actually this, like, let me be really uncomfortably naked, if you will, in front of you, show you this tool that has value. And does it have enough value that people will use it, but then where they're frustrated, you've got to find that out and carve it and make it better. And that is a totally different, I think, approach than service-based businesses typically use. Right. Because, well, the other thing too, is you don't generally... As a service-based business, if you you don't have the ability, if somebody pays you for your time, or you go on a contract and then like it doesn't work for them, that creates a lot of friction. Correct. Versus my previous life, you know, I worked in software. It was it was more mature software. Well, quasi mature. Let's put it that way in some ways. But sure. 
you know, there was, there was like a month free trial, but then like you're in it and you integrate in your, and I was always selling to like businesses. So you integrate. And I say that because Talkadot is kind of similar to that. Like I will never do a speaking gig without using Talkadot again. Like I've used it once and now it's there. I have a slide. I have the, my, my QR code for it because now that I like, it's addicting that you're like, Oh, like, Oh, this feedback is really valuable. And the, and I say all this because, um, I'm also like, okay, cool. So maybe it's not going to be absolutely perfect. Or maybe there's a feature that isn't quite there yet that I might need, but it's not going to have me go like, no, I'm not going to use it. Yeah. I think like well, what, what I'm hearing you say that, and I've never had anybody on the show before. This is a really interesting conversation is who's, who's a service-based professional, who's now kind of like a product professional as well, is that in product, if we, like, at least for me, I'm an early adopter. If I know something's new, I'm usually just grateful that it's there and I can use it. And I actually, I'm actually like being somebody who say like, Hey, like, I think this could be better or I really like this feature or this wasn't useful to me. I actually really enjoy that. And I think a lot of people are, especially when you're sounds like you, you all are kind of doing something new. Most people that are willing to take on something new, like know that it's going to be iterative. Well, and, and that's the thing that is a huge <clears throat> philosophical switch in my head, right? Because in my world, it's always allow me to present myself to you as the service provider that's already solved all the problems. And right. now <laughs> here I am as, you know, this amazing professional where what you have to do in, when you make that transition is you have to tell people this is new. Like there was like, oh, but if it's new, they won't use it. It's like, no, that's not true. That's not like, true. Are, they, if it's, it provides enough value. And I think what happens is people try to figure out well, what's a better way to sell it? Oh, let me figure out a better sales strategy. Let me figure out a better way to um, convince you to use it. And maybe it does the thing we promise it does, and maybe it doesn't. I believe it does, but may- but but when you do this approach, where it's like, look, this is brand new. Here's what we're trying to get to. Here's the value add. Let's get all of this iterative process into our uh, product development side. Then what happens is you start going, wow, I can't believe we didn't think of that, or I can't believe we did. And then you make these changes, and then eventually you get it in front of people, and they say things like, you've thought of everything. Oh, my yeah. God. This is – it's like it does like, everything I need. And, and it's like, like I yeah, have to literally get punched in, in the face metaphorically <laughs> over and over and over by, like, you know, users going, well, how come I don't do that? Why doesn't it do that? But if you actually fall in love with that process, which is what yeah. I have done, and not take it as an affront that you're not good enough. But this is this incredible process. You'll start building something that I generally believe, I'm making this number up, it's not a real number, but yeah. I'm sure 90% of businesses just want to sell, 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 sell. Yeah. But if you can actually build something that's really valuable, that's when you start getting like, you know, base camps and, you yep. know, like uh, companies that don't do really much marketing, you get slack, don't have to really do much marketing. But the user acquisition is so high because it's such a valuable tool. Yeah, I love that. That's that's super cool. Well, thanks for sharing that, and wish yeah, you continuing success and all the things. I was as we move on to the next section. I was just thinking about pitching, pitch, pitching like keynote in like your audience. Be like, so listen, here's the deal. Um, I have. I want to speak to your audience. I don't really have anything to speak about yet. I'm not sure if this is scientifically proven. But would you mind if I just tested it? It's kind of like an open mic. I'm gonna I'm gonna run some bits. I'm gonna run some. I'm gonna do some <laughs> jokes here. Uh, I hope that works. Or as a coach, you're like, so I haven't really been trained in anything, and I don't really know if this is gonna resonate or or if this is gonna work for you at all. But 
would you mind signing a, a three month engagement with me? And we're going to test it out together. <laughs> like, yeah, we're it, go. It, it, yeah, I don't think so. It's like this scare, like as a service provider, it almost sounds ridiculous when you say that, right? It almost yeah. sounds like that's well, nobody's going to hire that person, <laughs> you know? But that, in, in, in essence, when you're building a product, right, you have to say, like, I know that this can, I, am I solving a problem, right? Like, what is yeah. the problem I want to solve? Like, that, you got to start with that. Oh, and you know, what? I'll share this as well. This is also really fascinating. And I, I, I only learned this by doing, not by uh, before. When you're going through that iterator, iterative process where you're showing someone they're giving you feedback, you're adjusting, tweaking, all that, don't actually ask people, what is it that you want it to do? That was a big, yeah. uh, it's like, oh, how, no. what would the tool have to do for you to like to use it? People will tell you thousands of things oh, that they yeah. don't actually oh. want, no. right? Instead, you want to ask, what problem are you having? What frustration is there? Yep. And then I become aware of the problem and the frustration. Then it's my job to come up with an elegant solution. And that was, it was usually like, oh, well, what, what, Jason, what would you want it to do for you to be happy? Well, what are you frustrated with at the end of talks? You know, and that's what we discovered. Okay, there's this huge line of people at the end of my talk, but I can't talk to everyone. And then even worse, like you get that one long talker who's just like, oh my gosh, you are you're, you have you been to the Catskills? Oh my gosh, you from the, oh my I have you have you had this restaurant? And they're like having this super long, and you're like, there's a line of people behind you. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. be rude, but I, I gotta like spread it out. Yeah. What if you can grab those? It, oh, that's the problem. Let's come up with this as a solution. So if you understand the problems, not what people want, you can get into this beautiful place of creating a really good product. Yeah. Amazing. Keep up the good work as a Thank customer. You. Keep up the good work. And I've got a list of feature requests for you at the end of this episode. I want them all. I want every, I want every, I want every frustration. <sighs> No, it's, it's, it's just like a wish list of things that I might use, but it, I would highly recommend you change your engineering timeline and your agile process or whatever you're all using. Just make sure you reprioritize everything for my list. If you could do that, that would be great. I'm not yeah, guaranteeing I'm going to use any of it, but it's just kind of like, you know, it's a pipe dream stuff. All right. Yeah, Arel, so yeah, exactly. So what would you like to ask me that I can answer for, for you and everybody listening? Jason, you you have worked with a lot of people on on the coaching side, right? Yes. And what happens is you'll start noticing humans have patterns and humans yes. have beliefs that they believe uniquely are like they'll say, Well, I don't know if anyone else has ever said this or experienced this, but <laughs> and then you go, you know what? Like almost everyone that I've spoken yeah, you're, to. You're like, well, it depends. Are you talking about in the like in the two clients earlier this morning or yeah. The answer is probably yes. <laughs> so what what have you found with all of the you know incredible coaching and work that you've done that people genuinely believe is an individual mm. like journey that no one else has experienced? Yeah, and you're like, no, that's actually quite a universal human experience. Oh, this one is so easy. And by the way, this is a great, great question. Mm. The universal truth, including myself is that we don't actually know what we're doing mm. or the, or that every, no, sorry. The universal truth is that everybody else has it all figured out, but I don't. I'll, I'll share a couple of anecdotes Please. about this. Yeah. I had a client have a client who is, he runs a 1200 person organization and we started off on our first call and he says to me, 
Jason, I have zero confidence. I said, you know, as coach, I'm like, you know, you don't want to get in that trap so quickly. Like, let's fix it. Let's make you confident. I was like, tell me more. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, what do you mean? I don't know what I'm doing. Well, you, you run a 1200 person organization. That's a billion dollar manufacturing arm of a large company. He's like, yeah, but I don't know what I'm doing on a daily basis. I have zero confidence in, in myself for what I do. I had another person who is a, a senior leader at a software company who had to make some headcount decisions, you know, like, and, uh, he said, the truth is I'm afraid I'm going to be found out. I don't know anything more than anybody on my team. Like, I don't know anything. I don't really know what I'm doing. I have some technical expertise. I don't really know what I'm doing as a manager. And they're going to be found out. Speaking for myself, I coach a lot of people that are way more highly educated than me. Like Ivy League, MBA, coached a couple PhDs. Like, you know, and I'm a, you know, lowly undergrad from Big Ten school over here. Um, who have had, who I know make a lot more money than I do because I know what they do and they work it and they, they do these amazing things. And like, I have those feelings too, because what I think the universal truth is as well is that we, it's all about what we know. Like you were saying about the expertise and mm. always working on this. And this is the way I'm trained. My coach training is it's called ontology. So it's like the study of being, you probably heard of it. If like, it's like the study of being and the study of doing and that actually, and this is EQ stuff, right? Who we are and how we show up in the world is arguably as important, if not more important in most fields than knowing the answer or knowing the stats or knowing the facts and figures. But where that truth is almost universal for most people is that, um, is because they, it's what you said earlier, they make it look easy. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was like, I like Mel Robbins mm-hmm. and I saw a speech that she did and somebody asked her, well, do you get nervous? And I think three years ago, right before the pandemic, she was the highest paid female motivational speaker on the planet. She made like five or $6 million. So a lot of money as a speaker is somebody who's not Michelle Obama or Oprah. I don't even know right. if Oprah, but you know, it was, like, it was like her, it was like the three of them. And she said, yeah, of course I get nervous. I get nervous before every speech, but what I do, and I think I'm not good enough. And I think, who are these people that are going to listen to me? And it doesn't matter how much you're paying. But then she said something like, and then I just realized that nervousness or that fear is actually just excitement. Physiologically, it's the same and our, our brain sees it the same way. And she's like, and then I just say to myself about five times, I'm excited to give this speech. And it just completely reframes it. And so that comes up for every client I have, no matter how much they make, what level they are, whether they're right out of school, whether they're like running a big organization is like, I don't actually know what I need to know and I'm going to be found out. Imposter syndrome is a common term. Mm-hmm. And the second thing that most people have is I need more information. I need more information. And I, I saw a really great quote today from a a gentleman named Derek Sivers. And he said, I don't know if you've heard this, but he said, if information as humans was all we need, we all be billionaires with perfect abs. That's right. That's right. But the truth is we don't need more information. (laughs) Information. Like if there's one thing that's not lacking for any of us who have access to Mm -hmm. the internet or other humans is information. So it's like, um, yeah. One of the quotes I heard that, that I think echoes is that it's not actually the need for content it's the need for context, right? 
like yeah. how to apply content to our individual circumstance is yeah. like the big need. And I, you know, I cannot stress enough because I remember when I started my, my entrepreneurial journey, I was very young, you know, still a teenager when I like got really interested in entrepreneurship and I would go to these panels with these like super successful, like 70 year old, like bajillionaires. And they would say like, you know, I really don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself very clearly, you're trying to be humble and it's not working. You clearly know what you're doing. And I don't like that that you say that because you're trying to make me feel better about myself. But in reality, you've clearly figured everything out. And then as I've gone throughout the journey, what I've realized is we genuinely feel that. The thing is, when you're yep. older, probably 70, you've dealt with it so much that you can just address it like without the same amount of emotions as someone who's yep. 25. You're like, no, I really don't know what I'm like. I'm really flying by the seat of my pants here. Yeah. And the success that we have makes people discount it. Yep. But my internal view of self and internal experience I mean, it, it's such a really great observation that you pointed out because so many of us think that I'm going to be found out. That that phrase yeah. is so perfect. I'm going yeah, to get gonna be found out. It's the perfect yeah. phrase because that's the that's the biggest. Like they don't really like so. Like we, uh, I got a TV show with Disney Plus, right? Uh, called Family Review. So there's three hosts. I'm one of the hosts, and I remember the whole time I kept trying to almost tell the producers, like. One sentence was, I'm the best person you can possibly choose for this because I yeah. care, I'm passionate, I have this experience. And then the other was like, you know, I've really never done this. But I don't know what I like. I, like, I don't have like 20 years of experience in this. So like, if that's what you're looking for, that's not me. Like, yeah, I was like constantly afraid the whole time they were going to be like, this guy is a loser. This guy sucks. Yes. You know? Yeah. Because it's got to be about exactly what you know or the experience you've had. The thing I'll, the thing I'll wrap with this and as a fellow coach, what you just highlight highlighted is what separates usually coaches from consultants is mm. coaching to context, not to content. Mm. So for example, my client who says, I, I have no confidence. The content there is that, oh, he's not confident. What do we need to do to fix that? Oh, let me take a confidence course. Let me, what would make you feel more confident? But, but you know, this even better than I do, arguably, because of the work you do and what you speak on, pounding against that belief system is actually going to reaffirm that he doesn't know anything and he's not confident. It's actually going to reinforce that context because our ego and our brains like to reinforce what we believe to be true because our ego and our brain likes to be right. So if I believe inherently that I don't know what I'm doing, I'm always going to be looking for proof of that subconsciously. As a coach, if a client says, oh, I don't have any confidence. The question should be, we want to poke at that context. Well, is that actually true? Or, well, what would have you say that? Oh, well, and then they're going to list off all the proof of why they don't. And then, and so like this is, and this was a huge shift for me through my coach training and the work I still do is like poking at the content or poking at the problem solving actually reinforces most of the time, which is why a lot of people, which is why information isn't enough. It's the application, but ap applying it inside of the same belief system is going to get you the same results versus that. So, man, I feel like we could, we could talk about this stuff for an hour. Really, I, I want to tell you, that's a brilliant question. I've never had anybody ask me in quite that way. Really 
Great question, Arel. See, super my, dad. My super second question. question was going to be, "What's your favorite color?" So I'm glad I went with that one. I went, I'll, well, I, went. I'll, I, I will answer that as well. It's purple because I'm a huge Minnesota Vikings fan. Uh, I've always, always been a purple, and I'm from Minnesota. Purple between the Vikings and Prince, like, come on, like that is that's the color. And now, I'm a huge now Prince fan. With your with your small children, you can add Barney to that, and then you just got the you got the holy trinity of purple. I don't even I don't even go Barney. I just make them watch Vikings games with me and listen to Prince. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was tell I wish I was saying something that wasn't true, but that's actually true. <laughs> that could be the best visual I think I've ever had is Prince playing in the background while a Vikings game and little kids just with their dad, just like it's, the memories I had with my dad were so warm. Yeah, it's happened. If you, if my, if my almost seven year old daughter's on here said, what's daddy's favorite color? She would say purple and green. And I'd say that's correct. Love it. So Rel, what are you passionate about? Um, I am passionate about understanding how we all tick. Um, you know, I, I, there is nothing more exciting to me. I can spend hours like the can of worms you just opened up in my mind of questions I want to ask you is is through the roof. I, I tend to find if I can find people who are really, really, really expert at something, it doesn't matter what it is, and I can just ask them questions about it. It's like, you know, it's probably why this podcast is so fun for you. You know, you get to to ask these questions to people who are good at this thing. And yep. for me, I'm just wildly passionate about because I believe if we understand what makes us tick and why we do things and, and what causes us to do them, we can become more, um, uh, there, there's something called uh, subject-object awareness. We're subject to most things. That means it happens to us. Yeah. If we can take things that happen to us and make them an object, something we can actually physically look at, like where does my confidence, lack of confidence come from? And I can actually look at it. Then I can actually go, well, is that true? Is it really, is it always true? Right. If I'm subject to that lack of confidence, I can't do anything about it. So I think my passion of uncovering how to move things from subject to object is um, like one of my geekiest, nerdiest, like most passionate things in the whole world. I love, I mean, that's a whole, that is a whole nother podcast. And I was just talking about that concept. That's brilliant. What are you most proud of? Um, I have been with my wife for 20 years, uh, married for 10. We have two beautiful children. And I think that in a world where I think family becomes in language important, but in practice not, I'm very, very proud of my family unit. And um, I hope I continue to make them proud of me. Yeah, is I was waiting for you to say the thing that most people who have children say on this podcast. It's the, it's the, it's the number one answer I get on all these questions is now I know this is going to be cliche, but it's gotta be my kids. And I'm like, listen, if I was going to run a statistical analysis and this will be episode like 145. So I've got a pretty nice little data set. I would, I could list on one hand, the number of parents who did not say their children. Mm. And I can, it's funny. It, it's actually a really funny little statistical thing, which makes a lot of sense is for people that have children, it's almost always that for people that don't, the answers are so widely varied. Mm. And then all that goes by the wayside when they, when people have children. I think what happens with children, which is a huge shift, at least the way that I view children is you realize that really is your best chance at immortality. Yeah. Um, 
if you look at anything you create, I mean, how many businesses today were around a hundred years ago? It's, you know, that's a, you know, it's a, that's a funny, that's a funny and statistically relevant question. I believe they did a study. It is either the, like the, um, fortune 500 or maybe even the Dow, like the Dow 30, like the Dow Jones industrial. It's like not many. It's, it's not really many. fascinating. The, the odds of you creating something that actually stands the test of time. Yeah. Is pretty infinitesimally small. Yeah. Um, but when you look at your children, you go, this is like my, this is for whatever. And it's probably a whole interesting trip of why we even care about immortality in the first place and why we even care about like creating an impact. But, you know, I, I get more present that when, when, especially around death, when you notice people die, you'll go to the funeral, people cry. And then for the most part, people move on. Like their, their life isn't supposed to stand still because someone passed. So out of everything you create and all the people you touch, like people have positive memories of you, but your children become that if you do it right, I believe those, that one aspect of life that it's like what I taught, what I care about, what is important to me can live on and it will evolve and it will change. And it's not going to be exactly the way I want it to be, but that's like our best shot at Mm. making an actual difference. Because everything else we do is so it's so it's so just smoke yeah. rising to yeah. the sky. Oh man, that's amazing. Yeah, it's so true. All right, what's something that you're afraid might be true about you? And you know the perfect the perfect thing right here would be that I'm not. I don't know, I don't know anything. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, what? Yeah, like what is something that you are afraid that might actually be true about you? Yeah, I think that. Um, what I am fearful of that probably is true is that I won't be able to focus long enough on one thing to make it as successful as it could be. Um, and what I mean by that is I, I like to do multiple things, you know, yeah. just in this conversation alone, we probably covered multiple topics and Good. I have a belief. It could be completely false that, the people who make the biggest dent in the universe are really focused on one thing and they do one thing and they do that one thing really well. And that one thing evolves into many, many other things, but it's really one thing they're doing. And I I think that, you know, I don't know if I have the ability to do that. And does that a allow me to be good at many things, but not great at anything. Um, And I think that would be a big fear of mine come to reality. Mm. Interesting context, Harrell. I could, uh, if I wanted to fix that context or give you argue against that, I could give you all sorts of athletes and business people, but no, I mean, I think that is something, well, I think that's just to say it. I think that's something the educational system kind of ingrains in us. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was a liberal arts major, so liberal arts is a little less, but you know, like more technical and scientific roles, it's pretty like you really want to become the person around this thing. And in the business world, it's kind of like as a, as a service provider, like you want to have be the niche, the person that is the de facto expert and goes on podcasts and speaks about it, about development theory. Cause like, right. that's what branding and marketing will tell you. I'm curious to see how that's going to shift because there's so much information always coming out that like, like you said, that can be a hard thing to break through. And be like the person. And also there's so many people that are willing to do business with us that you don't have to be the person anymore. 
you can be yeah. one of the people that speaks to your people. That that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. my personal opinion on it. And I do a lot of branding stuff. No, I think that I think it is a uh, one. It's a self acceptance of of your skill set, right? Like there are certain people. Like there's someone who like they just do dry cleaning, and they know everything to the minutia of how to dry clean something perfectly. And you kind of yeah. like you know, and that's not like a sexy business, but like you kind of go, yo, that that person is the goat, and we we kind of aspire to that in a sense. They're the goat. Like, they're the goat of dry cleaning. Yeah, they're the goat. There, there is no one. That will dry clean your shirt better than that goat <laughs> over there, and I think that um, there is a an element that I am. I think this is my personal journey. I think this is my personal journey. Is saying it's okay to be multifaceted in your passions, and it's okay to be really good at a bunch of things as long as you're enjoying the journey. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, I do intellectually get it, but emotionally, it's not there yet. Yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. like you and I are doppelgangers in some ways other ways definitely not <laughs> in some ways we are yeah, yeah i'm the same way i'm like doing one thing sounds so wildly boring it's why i was in sales because even in sales like you're never just doing quote unquote one thing you're yeah you're gonna hold a bunch of different things really cool love it um well arel how do you see the world um i see the world as a beautiful place that if you focus on what's beautiful, you will find it. And if you focus on what's crappy, you will find it. And it's just a, a matter of focus. That's it. Yeah. Well, how can audience connect with you and everything you're about to share? We'll throw in the show notes as well. But yeah, like people want to book you to speak. They want to find out more about Talkadot. They want to check out your show on Disney plus new show on Disney plus, or they just want to get some tips on how to, how to be the de facto expert super dad as I am labeling you. I want to be clear. You did not ask for this. I'm labeling you super dad. Boom. You got a lot. To, you got a lot to live up to. You are now the goat super dad. Label, label, humbly accepted. which I hope to, uh, my kids will be like, he, you should see the dad fails. This guy does. It will, it will change your opinion there, Jason. Um, so the good news about my name. So my name is Aurel Moody. Um, the good news about it is I literally am the only Aurel Moody in the whole world, right? I can so imagine Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, or Google. And you put in my name, the, the ability to find me is super easy. Aurelmoody.com is, you know, my main website, uh, for those who are speakers and they're like, oh my gosh, we have, you know, talk a dot, it's free. We have a free version of it and obviously a, a upgraded paid version with the free version is very, very good. So you go to talkadot.com. That'll be in the show notes. And why don't we put your talkadot link for people to give you yeah. a feedback? Why don't uh, yeah. we say like, hey, if you want to give Jason feedback on this particular interview. Yeah, let's put, do it. Put your talkadot link in the in the thing and let's see. What, yeah, let's see. What, yeah, for those. So this is an ask for the audience. We're, I'm going to put this in the show notes and I'm just to give you all a little bit of context. I was talking to Rel last week and I had mentioned that I could see this being an ongoing process that would be valuable for podcasters is to get to get because what you get is like you we were talking about just to say this and I'm curious I would love if people would take the time to do this so please if you're listening please take the time go into the show note click on the talk about link and give feedback on this episode because as a podcaster you only get feedback on your show you don't get feedback on episodes unless it's like an email like, hey, that was really an interesting conversation. But I want to start getting feedback on the episode so I can know what you all want to hear more of, what's working, what's not, because I'm always iterating and looking at this as, a, in a way, a product as well. There will be a talk about link in these show notes. Please give myself, give Arel your honest feedback 
on what you thought you of this cannot, episode. You cannot hurt my feelings or Jason's feelings. And I will tell you this for anyone who says, I'm going to do it later. I got you, Jason. Just do it now. You're, you're, yeah. you're at this point in the interview. Just, just click on the link. It takes less than two minutes. It is yeah. very quick. Do it now because if you do it later, that's just not how the world usually works. No, and you're just not going to do it later. I know I wouldn't do it later. Be like, I'm going to get to that when I never, never. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. We'll put all those in there. Pleasure, man. Honestly, yeah, such a pleasure to have this conversation with you, bro. Yeah, Ral, this has been amazing. We'll we'll have to get you back on here again to to dig in. I mean, we got lots of things we could dig in on. Last question for you, or actually, last request of you is to leave us all with some words of wisdom and make it short and sweet. You know, um, I'll say that um, I'll leave you with an idea that that drives me the most is that when you can focus your time on making the unconscious conscious, then you'll actually be able to control what you do. And it won't be you saying it's just fate. Uh, It's a Mm. Carl Sagan quote that I really love. So we have to take what's unconscious and make it conscious. And if we don't, we're going to say it's fate controlling us where it's really not. Are you, um, let me wrap up. Are you, are you a fan of, uh, Shad Helmsetter? You know, know Shad, Shad. he's, uh, he's kind of like the godfather of positive thinking. I actually Mm -hmm. had him as a guest last year. I'll send Mm -hmm. you a link to the episode. That is, that is also what he does. And it was funny because of the what's something you're afraid might actually be true about you he's like nothing he's like nothing <laughs> and he's been doing this a long time he's like a positive positive yeah. mindset kind of person yeah. um quite famous in that space but it was funny like he he had no answer for that and i was kind of like okay could you give me something but then when i looked researched him more i'm like oh he actually like this is what he stands on is he's learned how to remove those things or so he says like you know good good guy who's written books and he's got all sorts of stuff but i'll send you a, a link to him you should ch- check him out he's this is like right in his wheelhouse is like you can actually reframe your mind that you don't believe yeah. those things anymore those, those right. are those people are goals man that's goals i know you're like goals. i'll bet you he never thinks he's not good enough i'm like he probably does he just doesn't say it Chad, <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening i apologize i don't know uh Arel, thank you so much for being on i'm so glad we made this happen Really excited to release. This is we're recording this on Halloween, twenty twenty two. We're going to release this on November second, twenty twenty two. How fun is that? I'm trying to Love get it. a better cadence. Best wishes to you, the wife, the family. We'll have you back on again soon, and keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> the outro sound effect. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of Talking to Cool People with Jason Frizzell. If you enjoyed today's episode, please tell your friends. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and give us a shout out or take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. If something from today's episode piqued your interest and you'd like to connect, email us at podcast at jasonfrizzell.com. We love hearing from our listeners because you're cool people too.